Welcome to the Keto Lifestyle Podcast, hosted by nutritional coach Jessica Tai, where we are dedicated to promoting health and overall well being through nutrition, specifically the ketogenic diet. We will provide you with all the latest science in nutrition, interviews with experts in the health and wellness field, and answer all your burning questions so you can find optimal health. This podcast is not intended to be used as medical advice and is to be used for informational purposes only. Please contact your doctor with any and all medical questions. Now here's Jessica. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. This is your host, Jessica Tai, and as always, happy to be here with you guys again this week. So we are well into uh, the pandemic of COVID called COVID-19. And in the state of Ohio, we are in a shelter-in-place order. I assume that probably most places um, around the country are in similar situations. I know that they kind of vary from state to state on what governors have shut down or um, not shut down and how those things are going, um, how strict the policies are. But here in Ohio, we are supposed to be shelter-in-place. Though I have recently found out they are not enforcing the government, the governor's mandate of no more than 10 people together at a time, which I think is so bizarre. If you're going to have that mandate, I don't understand why it's not being enforced, but whatever. Um, Anyway, (laughs) the point is, is that we, like most of you listening, I'm sure, have been kind of on lockdown Um, can't go anywhere. Of course, no restaurants are open, no stores um, other than grocery stores and um, some other essential stores like that. And then, so you're just kind of uh, spending all of your days either at home or if you are still in a situation um, where you work, that it is uh, that you can go into work if you're an essential business, then um, maybe you're going to work and home and that's pretty much it. Um, many people are not wanting to venture out any more than that. And there's a lot of fear right now. And that's, um, you know, I, I don't want to really get into my opinions on the COVID-19 situation and all of that, but I do know that the fear is not good. It's not healthy. Um, we shouldn't be fearing, being fearful, sitting around in dread, worried about what's going to happen. Um, you know, the truth is, is that listening to, Um, You know, the experts that are on the front lines there, you know, it's inevitable where most of us are going to contract this virus, um, but also most of us are going to be able to fight this virus like we do any virus that we contract. Um, You know, many of us are carrying around viruses right now. We have antibodies to many different viruses. You often don't even know you've contracted one, um, and you may not even know that you've contracted COVID-19. So um, I just say all of that so that you are not fearful. Don't don't live in fear um, or dread because that is that is that itself will suppress your immune system. Um, You don't want to be all stressed out about about that, right? So, you know, we're trying to take precautions as a, as a country right now to try and, as they say, flatten the curve um, so that, you know, the hospitals aren't overwhelmed with those individuals that are um, at higher risk for complications of the virus. It's not so that we don't all get the virus. They know we're going to get it. It's so that those people that are higher risk are not they are able to get the health care 
that is needed if they need it. Like I said, many of us will get it and we won't need any type of additional uh, healthcare. It'll just be a virus like we typically have a virus um, and we'll get through that. But they are trying to make sure that they have the ability to be able to help and treat those people um, who are perhaps immunally compromised um, maybe they're elderly or they have something, some other type of, um, you know, if they have some type of chronic disease, like um, we talked about this with Dr. Darlene Mayo on the podcast a few weeks ago, um, just even something like type 2 diabetes puts you at higher risk. So um, what I want to focus on with you guys is uh, many of you, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to assume that you're interested in nutrition and probably you're interested in keto um, the kind of the keto diet or being in ketosis, uh, or at least low carb. So I want to focus on in this episode, um, I just want to kind of go back to basics a little bit because I, I realize that uh, many of you may be kind of newer to this or maybe because of the time that we're in right now, I'm recording this in the beginning of April. And so uh, we are you know, we're smack dab in the middle of this, uh, it's still fairly new. We've been home a couple of weeks now from uh, all of these things going on. So I wanted to go ahead and talk about if you are kind of looking to start this lifestyle or maybe you've been at this for a little while, but you kind of need some reminders of uh, what to do, how to do it, um, you know, just some different tips. So what I'm gonna do is go over actually what I give to um, my clients. So we have a, or I have a coaching program that, that I do online with clients. And when you join that coaching program, uh, one of the things that I give to the to my clients is a kind of a, um, well, we're called, well, I call my group the Wellness Insiders. So they get a Wellness Insiders guide that helps them like kind of to get started on their wellness path is what it is what it is. So it's um, a way not only to, it's not only guidelines for kind of the nutrition part of it, but lifestyle as well. So a lot of the information that's included in there is things like uh, when you join my group, we do, um, you join my private Facebook group, you go through a program called NutriQ and you start leaving, you start logging, doing a food and mood journal log for me. Um, you do the nutritional assessment questionnaire, you get, you know, all that type of stuff. And we go over all of that. You start joining in the Zoom calls, you get one-on-one -on -one calls with me every month. So that's kind of all in there. But then we get down to the information that I give them is the seven key tips that I have them to remember when starting this journey or the, the seven things I want them to really, that I feel like are key to making the keto lifestyle or whatever wellness journey you're on, making it stick. It's like the seven tips that, that are gonna help this to, to, to stick for you, help you to stick to it if you kind of remember these seven things. So I'm gonna go through this with you guys today and um, it is not only good for if you're trying to be ketogenic, but it is going to be great information if you are just trying to get healthier, especially in light of everything going on right now. You're just wanting to be healthier as an individual, as a family, you're trying to boost your immunity. You wanna make sure that when and if you have this virus, um, when and if it comes to your home, you are going to be able to uh, 
um, overcome this like your immune system overcomes everything else that comes your way. That you are gonna be strong enough, that your immune system is going to be able to handle it, that you're not gonna succumb to some of these um, further complications that would land you or anyone else in your family in the hospital. That is definitely the outcome we do not want. Um, it's one thing to get the virus, but to be able to fight it off is what we all want, right? We all wanna be able to uh, make those antibodies and know that we will never have to worry about COVID-19 again, that if we come in contact with it again, our bodies will be able to, um, to keep that at bay because we now have antibodies. So, all right, so the first tip is going to be digestion is the foundation of health. So if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time at all, then you're like, oh geez, here we go again. She talks about digestion all the time, but it is so true. When your digestion is off, you are not able to heal. You're not able to lose weight. You can't balance hormones properly. You're not gonna sleep well. You can't manage your stress, so on and so forth. So when clients join my group coaching, we get a, uh, through the NutriQ system, we get a graph that tells us exactly what systems in their body that they're having the, the most difficulty with. And one of those uh, is going to be digestion. It shows us, it not just digestion in general, but it shows us what areas of digestion are they having problems with. So whether that is in the stomach with hydrochloric acid levels, or if that is with the liver and gallbladder and bile production, or maybe that is it's in the small intestine and we're just having issues there. So, um, and, and everything in between. So we, we, we go over all of that in great detail. And while I don't have that information on you as you're listening to this, and you may not have that information on yourself, there are ways that you can know if your digestion is working properly or not. So um, there are many clues and tips to digestion either be working or not working. Um, many of those are if you are struggling, excuse me, if you are struggling at all with things like gas um, or indigestion or um, uh, you know, maybe burping after you eat, those types of things, those are going to tell you that you are not so, somewhere, somehow, something's going wrong with your digestion, right? It's just something's off. Because even though those things are pretty common and you think, well, everybody burps and, and passes gas and, you know, everybody gets indigestion from time to time, even though that may seem like that and it's pretty uh, commonplace, it doesn't mean that it's normal. It doesn't mean that that is what should be happening because it really shouldn't. You, there should, none of those things should be happening. If, you're, if your body is digesting things properly and you're eating foods that your body can digest, then you shouldn't have any of those issues. So let's look at a list really quick, or let me read you a list of some signs of digestive dysfunction. And you can kind of see if these things, if you feel like this is happening. So I'm gonna go in two categories. So the first one is gonna be hypochloridia. So that is when you have insufficient HCL or stomach acid. <clears throat> the other category is gonna be insufficient bile flow. So these are kind of the two bookends of digestion that we see um, most people having a problem in one or both of these areas. So if you have insufficient HCL or hypochloridia, it's going to be burping or gas one hour after eating, heartburn or acid reflux symptoms, bloating shortly after any, eating, so within an hour, bad breath, strong body odor, stomach upset by taking vitamins, sense of excess fullness after meals, 
feel better when you're not eating, sleepy after meals, weak fingernails or brittle fingernails, undigested food in your stool, and constipation. So this is a list of things if you do not have enough stomach acid. This is not too much stomach acid, which a lot of people think indigestion means you have too much, and your doctor will tell you that, mostly because they don't understand. Um, and they are they if they don't have a pill or a surgery for it, most primary care physicians don't really know what else to tell you or what else to do. So if you have a, a primary care physician or uh, you know a, a general medical doctor that you see that gives you other advice and other things, then that is fantastic. Keep that doctor. <laughs> um, but most of the time, you're going to go to a doctor and they're going to say, oh, if you have indigestion, then you have too much stomach acid. You need to take an acid blocker or a PPI, a proton pump inhibitor. Those things are exactly the opposite of what you need to be doing because the reason that you're having the acid reflux is the pH level in your stomach is not correct and so things aren't functioning properly and that is what's causing the heartburn. So I'm not going to go into great detail on that in this episode. You can go back and listen to other episodes where I have gone into great detail on digestion or you can go over to my website and I have a course that you can take um, that is going to lead you through all of this stuff. Um, your, the Keto Masterclass will lead you through all of the, we spend one entire week class on digestion. So if you're interested in learning more, you can certainly do that. Um, but that is, uh, that's exactly the opposite of what you wanna do. So um, if you don't have proper hydrochloric acid, then food literally sits in your stomach and just rancifies or putrefies and, and rots, basically, and is not getting digested in the, the, in the amount of time that it should be. It's not traveling through your digestive tract the way it should be, and that's setting up problems all the way downstream through the rest of the digestive tract because your pH is critical, the right pH balance is critical through your digestion. And if that is off beginning with your stomach, then it's gonna be off the whole way through. So many enzymes will not be triggered properly. Bioflow may not be triggered properly. So there's all kinds of issues with that. Now, if, uh, if those don't apply to you, or if you're thinking, okay, well, let me see if the bile maybe is the problem. So here are signs that you may have insufficient bioflow. You have pain between your shoulder blades. You have, your stomach is upset by greasy or fatty foods. You have greasy or shiny stool. You have chronic diarrhea issues like IBS, Crohn's, or colitis. You have nausea with eating. You, have, you pass gas a lot. Your stools are light or clay colored. You have dry skin, itchy feet, peeling skin on feet, bitter taste in your mouth after meals. You're gaining weight. Gallbladder attacks. So this would be pain under the right side of the rib cage gallbladder removal. If you have any of those things, then those are going to be signs that you do not have proper bile flow. And you may be thinking, actually, I have many of those things on both lists. Like you were reading those and I'm thinking, yeah, that's me, that's me, that's me. And that's totally normal. Uh, lots of people have both. They're, they're having issues with, uh, with the HCL production as well as all the way downstream to bile and, and beyond. So, um, so making sure that your digestion is in order is absolutely key. It's key to your health. It's key to if you're trying to do the the keto lifestyle, keto diet, it's key to that working. Because imagine all of a sudden you start eating all this 
fat and all of this protein. And your protein is digested primarily in your stomach with the help of hydrochloric acid. But now you're upping your protein because maybe you weren't eating that much before. Because listen, I don't know about you, but when I was eating a bunch of junk and packaged foods and ice creams and cookies and pizza and all that kind of stuff, there wasn't a whole lot of really good protein in my diet because you don't really want to eat that stuff. You, When you get on the junk food roller coaster, that's all you want to eat. You don't really want to get off that roller coaster. You just want to eat that stuff all the time. So we are chronically deplete in proteins, amino acids, and in fatty acids because we're just not eating that stuff. So, uh, so if now all of a sudden you're eating the amount of protein you should be eating, you're eating these good foods, and now your hydrochloric acid production is just not there, either because A, it's just gone down because you haven't needed it for quite some time, or B, you don't have the nutrients that are required to make hydrochloric acid um, because you're not getting those foods in your diet that gives you those nutrients, those vitamins and minerals that are needed to make the hydrochloric acid. So if that's the case, then now you're eating the protein, now you can't digest it, and so now you're having issues with that protein. Now, on top of that, you're eating extra fat, right? Now you're up in your fat. Maybe, like me, maybe you ate low, low fat or no fat for 20, 30 years, and now all of a sudden, you are eating high amounts of fat again. Well, what happens is your gallbladder is gets all that bile that just sits there in that holding cell waiting to be used. It's not being used because you're not eating fat. That, that is the reason that we have bile. Bile is gonna emulsify that fat. We're gonna then be able to use those fatty acids. But if we don't ever call on that bile, it just sits there. It's like the oil in the engine of your car. It just gets gunky and it just sits and it's just gross. And now it's not this fluid flowing liquid. It's just this gunky gel, gross, you know, particles are built up in it. It doesn't squeeze out very well. That's what happens with your gallbladder. So now you're eating all this fat, but the gallbladder can't squirt out the bile when it needs to. It's just, it just won't go. And so you're not able to actually utilize this fat that you're bringing in. So now you start feeling like gross and greasy and gassy when you eat all this, this fat or, or you start and, or you start gaining weight because now your body is like, well, we can't use this. So we got to store this. So now you start storing all this extra stuff that you're bringing in because you're not digesting anything. You're, or you can just be gaining weight because your body has toxins that normally the bile is one of the, of one of the ways that the body excretes toxins out. It uses the bile to excrete that out of your body through your colon. And now if you aren't able to do that, you're doing things like reabsorbing estrogen and that can cause weight gain. Or you're reabsorbing toxins that should have been escorted out with the bile. And now the body has to find somewhere to put those toxins. So it starts storing them in the fat cells. And so you start gaining weight. You're, you're getting more uh, toxic essentially, but your body has to store that somewhere. And that's the only place it knows to put it. So um, digestion is absolutely key. It is foundational to your health and to making something like the keto diet specifically work well for you. If you're not digesting, it's not gonna work well. Um, you're gonna start it and you're not gonna feel good and you're not gonna know why and you're gonna be frustrated that you're not losing weight. You may even start gaining weight. So these are all things to really be thinking about. So you've got to make sure that your digestion is working properly. 
Um, the second tip is key to remember is drink half of your body weight in water every single day, okay? Just water. So if you're drinking soda or coffee or tea and you're like, well, hey, that has water in it. I mean, that's a liquid, right? That doesn't count. As a matter of fact, those count against you because they're diuretics. So anytime you have a diuretic, you actually have to drink one and a half times that diuretic of water. So for example, if you weighed 150 pounds, you would need to drink 75 ounces of water. But if you drank five ounces of coffee that day, then you have to add one and a half times of that coffee back in. So now you need to drink, what is that? So you would add five ounces back in for the five ounces that you drank and then a half time. So you're at 82 and a half ounces of water instead of 75 ounces of water. So you have to think about that every time you're drinking these diuretics because they do cause you to lose the water. And so that's, that's not what we want to do. You need to be able to utilize that water that you're bringing in for different um, functions in your body. Water is used for so many things, digestion, detoxification, there's so much. So that is, that is super key. It's also super key to immunity. So when we're thinking about the times that we're in right now, everybody wants to be healthy, do the best we can. We need to be drinking lots of water. Super, super important. So again, half of your body weight in ounces of water every single day. Okay, number three is cutting out all processed foods. So this is everything that is processed in your pantry, in your refrigerator, all of that. So snacks, pastas, bread, cereal. If you have sugars like agave, table sugar, coconut sugar. So I see all the time with well-intentioned people on the internet, through social media, that are, will say, oh, look, uh, my family is eating healthy and we are making muffins with um, no dairy-free muffins with veggies and we are using agave nectar to sweeten them or we're using coconut sugar. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like you read the recipe and you're like, there is not a single thing healthy about this. Honestly, nothing healthy about this it is chock full of carbohydrates, which absolutely hurt your immunity because now your body has to deal with those. When you, when you eat carbohydrates, it turns to sugar as soon as you, when you are digesting that, that is glucose. That's what it turns to. That's what it is. I don't care what the carbohydrate is. It's the way our physiology works. So if you are eating this quote unquote healthy vegan muffin that is 35 grams of carbohydrates, it's still glucose. It's still carbohydrates. It is still going to weaken your immunity. It is, it's no different. Honestly, it's no different than if you had just made it with the sugar, like it's no different. So it's really important to just cut out all of that stuff, all of those sugars, all of those processed foods, just get them out. If you wanna bake with things, bake with, if you need to sweeten something, I would suggest you either use honey, which still is, that it's at least it has some immune properties, but of course that's still gonna raise your blood sugar, it's still gonna affect you. Um, or some of the more natural sweeteners, the like monk fruit or stevia, that are, for most people, they will not raise your blood glucose and they are not gonna affect your immunity. So um, looking for things like that are super important. So just staying away from processed foods and sugar. All right, number four would be being careful to include the following in your diet on any 
regular basis. So I believe that these things should be avoided completely by pretty much everybody because they are kind of across the board what I see the most reactivity for people. But these foods in general need to be avoided. And that's going to be if you're whether you're getting some keto treat that is pre-made or whether you're making something for yourself or whether you um, have you're going out to eat or you're making dinner or whatever the situation is. But avoiding these products going to be soy, corn, sugar, wheat, gluten and dairy. So and I know dairy is one that is just like I can you know, I can hear all the boos and hisses almost coming through <laughs> this episode. And I'm with you. I hear you. I love dairy. I love cheese. I eat cheese. I, I love it. Okay. So I'm not saying that you have to give up dairy, but um, that it is on the, on the list of the things that I see most reaction in, in clients with. So, um, now I don't see it as often as the soy, soy, corn, sugar, and gluten and wheat or gluten. Those are absolutely the top four by far that I see clinically, but dairy, I do see dairy. I mean, there are clients that women specifically for whatever reason, but there are clients that will, we will have their diet completely. Everything is like as perfect as perfect can be. And they just cannot either lose weight or they can't get the inflammation down or, you know, whatever the situation is. And we, we going over their food journals, we're like, look, the last thing that we can pull out here is you are still holding on to that cream in your coffee. And if we could just get that cream, let's just take the cream out of the coffee. I know that's what you want to have, but let's get rid of the cream. Let's see what happens. And that one change will absolutely change everything that's going on with them. Um, So if you are a person that likes the cream in your coffee, you might have to pull that out for a while. It might be advisable to pull it out. See if you are reactive to it. You the, the interesting thing about inflammation and reactivity to foods is we often don't have any idea that we are reactive to something or that we have inflammation until we pull it out and we start feeling really good. And then we realize when we put it back in, oh my gosh, look at the inflammation that's come back. Or wow, I pulled that out and look at all the weight that I started losing. So, and, and that can be just because you are reactive to that particular food, that particular substance. So you may be able to get away with things like hard cheeses or butter or ghee. And sometimes even heavy cream can be okay for someone that is sensitive to dairy, but things like milk or soft cheeses usually are, are a no-go for most people. Ice cream, usually a no-go. Um, but doing things like, again, like the hard cheeses, butter, ghee, sometimes those things are okay. So you can kind of experiment and play around with that. And maybe if you really, really love some of those soft cheeses, try goat cheese or a sheep cheese um, and staying away from the dairy. So, or I'm sorry, the, the cow dairy Um, that may be a difference where you can get away with like goat dairy, but not cow. Um, That is the difference in the, um, in the animal. Um, That might be something that is helpful to you. All right. Number five is to eat one to three meals per day and do not snack. So this one is critical guys. I see this all the time as a major trip up. Anytime someone is trying to um, get healthier, again, 
Usually we see this manifest in the way of someone cannot lose weight or the inflammation won't go down. You know, maybe they have a chronic um, kind of inflammatory disease or condition going on and they just, they're producing ketones, they're eating all the right macros, they, you know, they, but they just cannot get the inflammation to go away or they just cannot get over uh, the, the weight, they can't get to the weight loss goals they have. They just, their body will not let go of it. This is one of the things that I see frequently that happens is that they will be snacking in between meals because let's face it, most of us came from the idea or we've heard throughout our lives that you need to eat six small meals a day, right? Like you, you have to snack throughout the day, eat small meals, and that will help rev your metabolism. And that is such malarkey. <laughs> like I do not even know where that came from. I don't even know how somebody ever, like that's not how our metabolism works. That is, that's not how it, I, I guess I can understand how that kind of seems to make sense. Like it, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, you have to keep adding fuel to the fire that keeps the fire burning hotter. Um, you put little kindling on every half hour and the fire keeps going. I get that. But as far as the way our bodies work, they don't work like that. And that that's, it's so wrong. So trying to get wrapped around your head that we do not need to snack. So you really need to have one to three meals a day. Um, with no snacking in between. So a lot of people do the OMAD where it's one meal a day when you're ketogenic because sometimes you just don't want to eat any more than that. I mean, here I'm recording this at two o'clock in the afternoon and I have not had any food yet today. I've had water and I've had coffee and I'm not even hungry at this point. So um, I will end up eating probably two meals today. Um, when I get done with this recording, I will probably go uh, have some food, um, some meal, like a, a light lunch, breakfast type thing. And then I will have dinner with the family again later. So, um, I'll end up eating probably two meals over, uh, you know, from like probably two 30 or three until about eight, seven or eight. We've been kind of eating later. Um, and that's a little bit later than I typically would do, but that's probably it. So I'll have like about a four to five hour window of eating today, probably. So, um, and that's fine. And I, but I will not snack between those two meals. So I will eat something very satiating, very nutrient dense, and then I will have a nutrient dense satiating dinner several hours later. And that's key because what happens is when we're eating meals throughout the day, we are keeping insulin elevated because we're keeping our blood sugar elevated. So when we raise our blood glucose, then insulin has to come out. Insulin is a storage hormone. So we are using, among other things, but in this situation that we're talking about, insulin is going to, it wants to pull your blood sugar back down and it needs to figure out what to do with that blood glucose, that glucose that's in your blood, that fuel. It needs to be able to store that somewhere, right? So it is going to store whatever we do not use, whatever's unneeded energy from the food that we're eating is going to go into the fat storage of our bodies. So to avoid that, we only want to eat when we are hungry and when it is mealtime. And so when we, when, we, uh, when we elicit an insulin response, insulin is typically gonna be present in our, in our bodies for about the next two hours. So imagine if you're eating the six small meal a day thing, like I used to do this, and I, I think now like, well, duh, I mean, there's no way I was gonna be able to lose weight, but I just kept thinking that, that, that I was doing everything right. But I was eating every couple hours, right? So you get up, you eat at eight o'clock, you have breakfast. And then at 10 o'clock, I'd have my snack. And then at noon, I'd have lunch. And then at 
two o'clock, right? That mid midday slump, then I would need a snack then. You know, usually some kind of carbohydrate to keep me, keep me going. And then, or some coffee with like lots of cream and sugar, right? Some kind of frappuccino thing or whatever. And then at four o'clock or five o'clock, that might be the longest stretch from two to dinner maybe, so maybe five, then I would have dinner. And then after dinner, I would have a snack again at like, you know, seven, six, seven or eight o'clock, you know, right? Watching TV or doing whatever in the evenings. So if you think about that, you're eating, if you eat, if you subscribe to that eating discipline, you're eating every couple of hours throughout your entire day. What that does is that keeps, since insulin stays elevated in your system, stays present in your system about two hours every time, then you are calling on then then every t- you are never without insulin elevated in your system so you are never without being in storage mode so and that's a problem because if you're trying to lose weight but you've always got the storage hormone present you cannot have your usage you, you know, the other hormones that are going to help you to beat like leptin and ghrelin, these are hormones that are not there when insulin is present. These are the hormones that are going to be your fat burning hormones, right? Ghrelin is the hormone that tells you you're hungry. Leptin is your fat burning hormone. Those hormones are not going to be present. You are not going to be able to call on those or utilize those as long as you have insulin in your system. Okay, so I think we've gone over the leptin, or I mean, I'm sorry, the insulin and why you don't want to be um, snacking during the day, why you just want to eat one to three meals and make sure that you're not snacking. Would you not want that insulin hormone elevated constantly? This is also, just on a quick side note, this is why being stressed out, and this is why I said in the beginning of this podcast, I really want you to focus as much as you can on not being fearful and worried and stressed during this time. I know it's difficult. I mean, trust me, I know it's difficult. I am at home trying to run my business. My husband is at home trying to run his business. I've got five children at home ranging from college age all the way down to a first grader and they are doing their schoolwork at home. I mean, it is, it is so difficult right now. Like just our lives are completely upended. Even if everybody's well, this is a difficult time on everyone. Even if you're not dealing with the COVID-19 actually affecting your family at this time, it's just hard. It's hard to be this day-to-day life and trying to get things done and everything is just upended. And I don't want to minimize that. I know that people are really struggling with that right now and struggling with depression and struggling with um, just being in close quarters with your family like that. It, it gets hard. It gets, it's stressful and, and we can only do so much, right? Like as, as a mom, I can tell you right now, I'm like, I'm business owner. I'm mom. I'm wife. I'm school teacher. I'm, you know, I'm taking care of the animals at the farm still. And like, do it's a lot. It is so much right now. Um, and I am certain that many of you are in the same situation or maybe even have more responsibilities. And so it's a time where it's very easy to get stressed out, to focus on all the negative things that are going on, and that raises cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone, and when cortisol is is um, elevated consistently, when we have chronically high levels of cortisol, that elicits an insulin response as well. And this can also be one of the reasons why people have a difficult time losing weight or getting rid of inflammation. 
when they feel like they're doing everything right and they don't understand why they can't lose weight or they can't let go of the inflammation and they just don't know what's going on. If you've got, if you're stressed out, if you're fearful, if you're worried, if you're on social media all day reading about all the coronavirus stuff and the COVID-19 and we're sheltering in place and this is going to get shut down and this is getting shutting, shut down. And it, when we're on there focusing on all this stuff and we're so stressed out, that is going to keep our cortisol elevated and that is going to keep insulin elevated. Insulin will be present at all times because cortisol is going to raise your blood sugar. And so insulin has to come out to help keep your blood sugar in check. So as long as we are doing that, leptin cannot be present and we cannot be burning fat. So um, this, this is also why a lot of times people have a difficult time getting into ketosis. They feel like they're doing everything right, but they're not showing ketones or their ketone levels are very um, low. They, they, they just feel like I just cannot get into a good nutritional ketosis um, pattern. Like I don't know what's going on. Or they're seeing elevated levels of blood glucose. If you're tracking your blood glucose levels, they'll see lots of elevated levels in there. Like, well, I haven't even eaten. I don't even know what's wrong. That's a dead giveaway that you have high cortisol levels. And so that is pushing your blood blood sugar up, your blood glucose up. So um, so this is important. I want you guys to make sure that you're thinking about these things and, and focusing, trying to focus as much as you can on the positive things and and, and keeping those, those cortisol, those stress hormones down. Okay, so that's number five. Number six, your meal should be nutrient-dense whole foods containing higher healthy fats, moderate protein, and low carb. So this is just general, okay, general information. But if you are trying to do the ketogenic diet specifically, if you are trying to be in physical nutritional ketosis, you want to be producing ketones, then generally you're going to want to keep your ratios to about 70 to 80% fat, about 20 to 30% protein, and about 5 to 10% or less of carbohydrates is what I recommend. So your carbs should come mostly in the form of greens or cruciferous veggies, okay? And occasionally fruit or root veg vegetables. And then you're gonna wanna track what you're eating on an app like MyFitnessPal or Carb Manager or something like that. And I just suggest that people do that in the beginning or periodically if you have come to a plateau or things are changing and things don't feel the same or something like that. But I think it's important to know because you can guess and you can think that you're doing things right, but you may not realize that you actually, your macros are way off from that. You may think, oh yeah, I'm eating lots of fat and I'm eating moderate protein. And you may track and realize that actually your fat is low and your protein's really high. And um, I see that happen a lot. Or you're bringing in a lot more carbohydrates than you thought you were. And a little note on the carbohydrates. I think that it's actually good to, for women especially, to uh, bring in, especially if you've hit a plateau, either in weight loss or just feeling good, like maybe keto was working for you for a while and you felt really, really good, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I don't feel so great now, and I feel like I've kind of hit this plateau, and I, I just, I was having all this great, um, and my memory was great and, and I felt like I had a, this, you know, great brain strength and mental clarity. And now all of a sudden I'm feeling foggy again and things just don't seem to be right. Then it might be a time where you add in a day or two, whether this is during maybe every week, maybe it's once a month, um, but you bring in some higher carb days. 
or two or one, you know, just experiment with it. It's different for everybody and you kind of have to figure out what works for you. But um, I see this often having, giving somebody a breakthrough. So if you just, and, and when I say higher carb, I don't mean like go out and buy cookies and ice cream and candies, right? I'm talking about root vegetables, tubers. Um, you know, maybe you, you up, you have some meals where you're including some sweet potatoes, some parsnips, some carrots, some, some fruits, you know, maybe you go to some fruits, like some citrus fruits and apple pears, you know, things like this. Um, upping your carbohydrates. And so maybe you're normally eating uh, 20, 30, 40, even 50 grams of carbohydrates a day. Maybe depending on where you are, who you are, what your diet looks like, maybe that's what you're eating. Maybe you up that to 100, 150 grams um, for a day or two days or three days and see if you don't see a breakthrough come from that. I have done that many times myself and I have seen amazing results. I've done that with clients and I've seen amazing results. So it's a little bit different for everyone. So you just kind of see what what it is for you, what you feel like is going to um, be best suited for you. Okay. Um, and then uh, as far as the ratios, I just want to touch on that really quick. Again, the ratios, what I like about knowing those is once you know what your ratios are and where you're feeling good, then you can kind of play with those and get more intuitive in your eating. So then you can kind of start knowing, okay, this is kind of what I'm eating every day. This is how I feel. I recognize how that feels. And when I overdo it a little bit, I recognize how that feels. And then it really helps you to pay attention to what you're eating. I also think it's super important. Another thing to pay attention to is calories. Not because I want you to watch how many calories you're eating and keep them lower, but because more than likely you need to actually up your calories. Um, I see this rarely do I have someone that comes to me for coaching that they are eating the proper amount of calories. Almost never, uh, especially when it comes to women. We are really, really good at um, restricting calories and we feel like that's what we have to do because that's what we've been told most of our lives. And I usually see women under eating by somewhere between 500 and 1,000 calories a day under eating that many. If you are chronically under eating your calories, your body will not let go of fat. You will have to substantially uh, lower calories and up your physical activity to be able to see weight loss. And really, how far is that going to go? I mean, like how long can we do that? We all know if we've done that before, it works for a little while, right? And then we have to lower our calories again, or we have to work out even harder because that we, our metabolism gets used to that, right? It adjusts, it adapts. So it's really important to make sure you're giving your body enough calories so that your metabolism will actually speed up and it will actually be like, you know what, we can start, and your body knows it can start letting go of these fat stores because, hey, we're getting plenty of food. We don't need to hold on to these extra stores in case there's a famine. There's no famine. She's getting plenty of food consistently. Everything's great. We've got all the nutrients we need etc. So um, one of the things that I do with my clients is I have everybody do a BMR calculator online. So that's a basal metabolic rate. That tells you the rate that of calories, that expenditure that you have every day just based on just your body doing its daily functions. 
Then I have them add on a TER, which is basically a total expenditure of energy that you use every day, depending on how active you are. So it's, it's a guesstimate, right? It's a calculation, um, but you can go on and do that. And most people are floored by how many calories they actually need to be eating to tell their body that they are in a safe place and that they are not starving and they can go ahead and start letting go of these extra fat stores. And sometimes it's disheartening because you will, it's difficult because if you think you're supposed to be eating 900 calories a day and then I tell you that you're supposed to be eating uh, 1800 calories a day, that can be hard. You can be like, no way, you're crazy. I'm gonna gain all this weight and I've worked so hard to keep it off. And I understand <clears throat> it's very, it's a very, it's a mental challenge. That can be a struggle. But um, I've seen it time and time again. I just saw it with a client on a group call yesterday, which was amazing. But she has, um, you know, she's been working with me for a couple months now. Uh, one of the things we did was up her calorie intake. And it was scary at first, you know. It's, it is for any of us because you're like, how is this? This goes against everything I know. But finally, after this length of time, she has now started losing weight. And sometimes it can take 30, 60, 90 days for your body to get to that place where it realizes it is safe and it is properly nourished and it can begin letting go of extra stores of energy. And that is what our fat is. So um, I encourage you to learn what that BMR is. All right, and number seven, this is the last one. Oh, <laughs> I jumped ahead. So it is know your BMR. <laughs> That's funny. I had forgotten that that was number seven. Okay, so again, um, this is the amount of calories that your body needs every day just to do your daily tasks and functions of your organs. If you eat less than what your body needs every day, it will lower your metabolic rate. It adjusts, it adapts. Your body will not only store body fat, but it will not let go of what it has. So repeat after me as you're listening to this podcast. Repeat after me. Eating less will not help me weigh less. Eating nutrient-dense food until I am satiated will give my body the signal that I have plenty and we do not need to hold on to extra stores of energy. I will not restrict calories and instead will work hard to give my body what it needs every day so that I can feel and look my best. All right, I hope that you really took that to heart and that you really listened to that and paid attention to that. <clears throat> I will put the link in the show notes for the BMI uh, or BMR, sorry, BMR calculator that you can go to and do online. So you can just put in your information and do that online. And then, um, like I said, you'll need to ask, add your TER, which is your total energy requirements. You need to add that on and it will tell you how to do that um, based on um, what your total, what your energy. So it's like, if you have little to no exercise per day, then you're going to take your BMR and you're going to multiply that by 1.2. And then if you have light exercise one to three days a week, you're going to take your, your, um, BMR and you're going to multiply that times 1.375 and so on and so forth. So I will put those in the show notes so you can calculate your own BMR and, um, know exactly what you should be eating every day. 
and depending on what, how much you're training or how much you're working out, what kind of physical activity you have, and uh, it bases it kind of on your, your weight, your height, your age, all of those things. So again, it is a calculation. It's not perfect, but it is a really good way to help you know that you are not chronically under eating because that is also very stressful. So if you're chronically under eating, that also causes a stress response and also is going to cause illicit cortisol. Um, so can you see how all this stuff is connected? <laughs> like it's uh, it's very connected. Like we, uh, you know, there our bodies just are going to fight us tooth and nail as long as we are not taking care of our body and giving it the nutrient-dense food it needs, giving it enough food, um, taking care of our stress, um, taking care of making sure we're sleeping well, making sure that we are uh, relaxing, taking time for deep breaths and getting to that parasympathetic state every now and then and, and all those types of things. And this is what's gonna help us with immunity right now, guys. Like we, we really need to be focused on these things, focusing on feeding our bodies, nutrient-dense food, keeping the stress as low as possible, which I know is not always um, practical. And there are times when we just need a freak out, like we just freak out and that's okay. Like I had a freak out this morning, to be honest with you. Um, so that's okay. We can, we can have freak out moments where you're like, ah, how am I going to do this? I'm trying to run a business, run a house, run a farm. And I'm my kid's teacher. I don't want to be a teacher. Like my freak out was similar to that this morning. Um, and I don't want to be a teacher and boy, if this has not taught me anything else, it has taught me that my kids' teachers are special people. <laughs> like, like not just my kids, but your kids, any kids, like to be a teacher. Oh my goodness. I, I just have so much love and respect for the teachers I did before, but I really, really understand the level of patience that that a teacher has to have. And, and it's not me guys. I don't have that level of patience. <laughs> so anyway, all right. I hope these tips helped you all. I hope you have a wonderful week or a couple of weeks because I will not be back on here with you with a new episode for two weeks uh, since we are doing every other week now. But I will talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Please, if you have any uh, tips, any episode uh, comments or anything that you would like to hear in upcoming episodes, please feel free to shoot me an email, jessica at jessicatai.com. And uh, I am happy to get those out there for you so you guys can have what it is you want to know about and what you want to learn about. If you're interested in joining the group coaching so you can have a community around you that is uh, also doing this with you, um, coming alongside you, that would be great. We would love to have you join our group coaching. You can do that through my website. Just go over to jessicatai.com and click on the group coaching and uh, you can jump right in there. We have calls every Tuesday, a live Zoom call. Those are recorded, so you can watch those if you're unable to join the live call. And then you get free one-on-one -on -one coaching with me monthly, and uh, you get into the NutriQ system. You get to keep a food and mood journal where we communicate uh, weekly on that together. And it's a really great program. So I hope you'll join us there, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week. Thanks so much, y'all, and stay healthy, stay well, stay safe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Keto Lifestyle Podcast. We hope that you enjoyed what we share with you today and are looking forward to the next episode. 